Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Deuteronomy chapter 8. More people die from heart attacks than any other single disease. I just ministered a memorial service for a man in our congregation, Prescott, 52 years old. We have two uh, people recently in our congregation who uh, had uh, heart examination and they put stints in because they were in severe danger of dying of heart attack. I want to talk to you tonight about God's electrocardiogram because the Holy Spirit is going to give us an examination here. There's some here this evening that you have heart trouble. You're not aware of it spiritual heart trouble. Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord speaks uh, some very enriching words in verse 1, and he's going to examine our hearts tonight. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you should remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, listen to this, and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. Therefore, you should keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you've eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. God's electrocardiogram. Let's look for a moment uh, at the essence of this text because this text is talking about the God who can. In this text, there is a reiteration of history. God is uh, bringing to their remembrance what he can do and what he had done, and uh, 
The scripture says specifically, he fed them with manna. There's a miracle that happens every day that God brings down from heaven free food to demonstrate to them that he is God. You know, we live in a, we live in a, uh, a generation when God has largely become a philosophy. Uh, you know, the largest church in the world is uh, uh, pastored by Oprah Winfrey. No, I'm serious. She pastors a church on television. And the essence of her message that she preaches is, uh, you can do it. She advertises books that are new age. And uh, these books are how-to books. uh, And uh, the essence of it is what I preached this morning, that you can be your own God. You just find the right technique. You have the right attitude. But here in this text, we see that God is not a God of philosophy. God is not even a God of ethics, although there may be uh, 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 semblances of that. But God is God. And as we look at this text, uh, he is reminding them that he is a God who will experience for them miracles in their life. And in verse 4, look at verse 4 again. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Now, women would have problems with that. Women, you'll hear them say often, I don't have a thing to wear. They got a closet full of clothes. They're talking about new things. They don't have anything new to wear. They'd have problems with that. Amen. Can you say amen? (laughs) But here he's uh, reminding them that he is a miracle God and uh, the miracle that he's done for them is the provision of every uh, uh, needy thing in life. uh, And he's reminding them that while they're experiencing miracles and have experienced miracles, that the best is yet ahead for them. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. We serve a God and the best is always ahead. Can you say amen? I often have people say, well, in the old days, you know, on Lincoln Street. I want to tell you, Lincoln Street's far in the history. We're looking ahead this this evening. Can you say amen? And the best is yet ahead. The reason is uh, not because of our slick techniques, uh, not because of our wonderful personalities, uh, but because God is God uh, and he has a plan and a future for you and I. uh, And as he reminds his people in this text uh, in verse 7 through 9, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. God is reminding his people that he is God. That's why these words are written. The sad thing in Christianity is that Christianity many times has become nothing more than some kind of a philosophy uh, uh, that people kind of acknowledge that there, you know, well, there is a God, but uh, uh, then they go on to live uh, uh, a life uh, that is no different than some sorority, can you say amen, uh, or some kind of lodge or some kind of a business institution, uh, but they do not look to God uh, because the promised land is a type of pi- uh, a, a land 
land of typology. And the realization for the people of God is always look ahead because the greatest is yet to come. Hebrews picks up that little uh, thought there in Hebrews 11 and says these people who uh, he's uh, talking about, they did not receive the promise, uh, God having provided something better for us, uh, that they should not be made perfect uh, apart uh, from uh, us. Now, there's an allusion here to a glorious hope. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote to the Corinthians and he said, I has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him and are the called according to his purpose. Many people in life, they become, they become accustomed to Christianity. Uh, they put on the Christian cliche. They put on the Christian persona. But there is no excitement in their heart. Uh, when they get uh, to the age 40, they already start planning their retirement. They already start thinking, well, it's, uh, the, the old days were really good. I remember when I was a new convert. But you see, you're not a new convert any longer. Can you say Amen. And God is still God. God is still able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we even ask or think according to the power that resides in us, uh, the deposit that God has made uh, for you and I. If you will rise up for a moment uh, and begin to understand uh, the God who can will override every difficulty of your life, is able to transcend any problem that confronts you, and he's able to do far greater than you've even dreamed about. And the Bible underlines that and asks you and I to believe it. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that tonight? I have people all the time. They say, I had somebody say today, he said, did you drive down here? I said, yeah, I'm still able to drive, you know. See, you're supposed to, when you get, when you get uh, past the age of 40, while you start uh, buying a grave site uh, and you begin to plan, uh, plan for your burial uh, because uh, in this generation, uh, people are looking forward to the time that they're going to retire and uh, the, great, uh, the, the greatest dream that enters into the American heart, uh, when I get 65, I'm going to be able to retire, draw my retirement uh, but I want to tell you that most of you, when you get to be 65, there ain't going to be nothing left. Because this generation's killed all the babies that could feed into this system and pay in. And by the time you get 65, it'll all be gone. So let's think for a moment about God. Because God is our hope. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, uh, but then I shall know just as I'm known. uh, And God is giving us in the scripture just a glimpse uh, of what he has prepared for us, uh, not only in eternity, uh, but also uh, in the process of life. uh, Because the process of life uh, is uh, to live it fully to the end. 
In the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and verse 4 says, God himself will be there with them and he'll be their God and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And so God is giving us some insight. But I want to tell you that unless God is God now, then that promised land is not going to be realized uh, at least not to its fullest uh, but the scripture says God has a plan for us he's going to uh, uh, remove fear and anguish going to remove sickness and weakness uh, injustice betrayal uh, shame and just a foretaste of that uh, is what we can experience now as we gather together in conferences our conferences uh, have a distinctive aim And that distinctive aim, you'll hear me say it again. I'd probably say it every conference. Our conferences uh, intend to impart something uh, which is of a spiritual dimension uh, that will lift you above uh, the mundane affairs of this life uh, and begin to thrill you with the grace of God that can bring you into an inheritance uh, and experience now the flow of the Holy Spirit uh, that will keep you young uh, as long as you live. Now let's look for a moment uh, at the test of life because we're having tonight a heart examination. A heart examination intends uh, to uh, reveal to you the condition that you're in. We have a lot of of, uh, self-delusion. And do you know that most people who have heart trouble uh, have no symptoms uh, of any kind? I remember a pastor came to me in the uh, in the leadership in uh, in uh, January, and he said to me, Pastor, uh, they tell me uh, that I've got a little problem with my heart. I think I'm going to uh, uh, have to go in, and uh, they're going to uh, put a stent in my heart. Well, he went in, and uh, when they took a look at him, uh, they, uh, they didn't put a stent in. They gave him quadruple bypass surgery. Most people who have heart trouble have no idea the seriousness uh, of the problem that they have with their heart. So it is uh, with spiritual heart problems. Is that the good front is put on? There's a, a persona uh, that is presented, uh, and uh, until they have the Holy Spirit uh, lay hold of them, uh, and the Holy Spirit gives them an examination and says uh, there's some uh, 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 a little blockage that uh, you have here, uh, and uh, that little blockage uh, is going to cause you serious problems uh, if you don't take care of that. And I have uh, no doubt that in this conference. Uh, that God has been knocking on your heart's door uh, because God gives us a health check. He does this in the process of life. That's spelled out very clearly here. And I have no doubt that many of you this week is that God began to say to you a little blockage here. Some of you were here this morning. And I don't have any doubt that there was a little bit of blockage revealed this morning as you began to come to grips with the realities of life. Uh, But in this text, it lets us understand that it's in the process of life uh, that God then begins to reveal to us uh, that we have some heart problems. Look at verse 2, if you will, there with me for a moment. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 2, and you should remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart, uh, whether you would keep his commandments uh, or not. 
So in other words, what we have then is the events of life. And in the events of life, we come into various arenas and it's how we deal with those arenas that let us understand whether our heart is healthy or whether our heart has some problems. It's in the event of life. And this process is a periodic checkup that God gives to us. How many of you know that you can have a checkup today and the doctor can say to you, your heart's great, but in three months it cannot be so great? So it is in a spiritual dimension that you may be fine uh, today, you may be fine tonight, or you may not be fine tonight, but in two weeks or three weeks or a month, in the processes of life, uh, one of the great dangers that you have as a Christian uh, is that you develop uh, a business uh, in your heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse uh, uh, 9, says the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately wicked uh, who can know it. And then God goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. In Psalms 139, it's verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way uh, everlasting. There's a man in the scripture, his name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah is uh, deathly sick. He's on his deathbed. A man of God named Isaiah, prophet comes in. And uh, how many of you know that when uh, you have spiritual people around you, it makes you feel a lot better. Can you say amen? You know to be a person who's serving God, it makes you feel a lot better. Isaiah walks into this sick bed and, uh, and uh, says, I've got a message to you from God. And you can almost see him, yeah, yes. And uh, what is it? You're going to die and not live. And he turned away. That's not a good day. <laughs> but you see, here's a man who was able to hear from God. He turns his face to the wall, and as he begins to pray, he lays hold of God, and the prophet tells about this in Isaiah 38. The prophet is leaving, and in the courtyard, God turns him around and says, go back in and tell him he's not going to die. He's going to live 15 more years now. That's a good day. Can you say amen? But there's one problem with that, uh, and that has to do with the last chapter that you live. Preachers, that would make a great sermon. I haven't preached that yet. You ought to get all the people in the Bible who the last chapter didn't turn out good. There's a number of them. One of these is Hezekiah. God has blessed him wonderfully, healed his body, uh, gave him a glorious miracle. But the difficulty is uh, uh, the first chapter of your life is very important. Can you say amen? And the chapters in between are important, but the most important chapter is the last chapter that you live. Uh, and Hezekiah made a serious mistake. In Second Chronicles uh, chapter 32 and verse 31 uh, uh, God speaks to him and says, However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent uh, to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew for him, listen, in order to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. 
Now, getting saved is a wonderful thing. Can you say amen? amen. Living for God that brings wonderful blessings, brings wonderful graces from God. But I want to tell you that periodically along the pathway, God will bring you into processes to test what is in your heart. He gives you a spiritual electrocardiogram, and this is because of the events of life. And in Hezekiah's case, he failed this test in the final chapter of his life. The Bible says it is not him who puts on his armor that can boast, but it's him who can take it off. In other words, it's one thing to go out and to conquer, but it's another thing to be victorious and come back in. And that's what spiritual heart tests are all about. Peter demonstrates this issue. Peter's an interesting study in human nature. Jesus says to the disciples, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem and uh, wicked men are going to take me uh, and uh, they're going to crucify me. And, and uh, Peter said, no, 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 that's not the plan, Lord. I preached this morning about being our own gods. That's what I'm talking about. Not God's plan, but your plan. No, no, Lord. Uh, 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 listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm with you to the end, Lord. I am loyal right to the very I don't care if they kill me. I'll not desert you. And Jesus looked at Peter and says, Peter, before 24 hours pass, you're going to deny me. Now think about this for a moment because these words are written for you and I to understand that the test of life is there for you and I to have a spiritual electrocardiogram and God to reveal to us what is in our hearts. Now, there's several ways that God does this. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 27, one of the most interesting little verses of Scripture in the Bible, and the Bible says in that text, Jeremiah 6, 27, I have set you, Jeremiah, as an assayer and a watchtower among my people that you may know and test their ways. Now, this is an interesting terminology. If you're Bible students, you can underline that verse and look it up on your own. And Adam Clark's commentary, he gives a little gem as he begins to explain what this word means. Let me quote it to you. The words refer to the office of an assayer of silver and gold. And the manner of assaying here intended is by the cupel, a flat, broad iron ring filled with the ashes of burnt bones to separate the alloy from the silver, they add a portion of lead. And when all is fused together and brought into a state of being melted, the cupel absorbs the lead and with it the dross or the alloy and the silver is left pure and motionless on the top of the cupel. Now think about this because what God says to Jeremiah, I've set you, Jeremiah, you're to speak for me you're to bring forth words to my people. Uh, and what's going to happen by your words uh, is I'm going to make a separation uh, of, uh, as it were, the silver or the gold uh, from the dross uh, or from the waste uh, or from that which is not valuable. And that's what your words are going to bring to pass uh, in my people. Now think about that tonight because you're hearing me preach. You've heard these other preachers preach uh, and they preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to 
uh, excellent preachers in the morning session this morning. And what's transpiring is a miracle of God's grace uh, reaching down to the hearts of men and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit uh, brings something in the heart uh, which is a, a, an assaying uh, of what is in their heart uh, to separate uh, that which is of eternal value from that which is waste. Uh, and that transpires uh, in a preaching of the Word of God uh, under an anointing of the Holy Spirit, the test of life. God constantly is making a hard examination. Now let's think for a moment about the challenge uh, as God brings us face to face with this uh, and uh, as God examines us. Now there's a paradox or seeming contradiction that comes right at this point. And I, as a pastor, I often observe this and I, uh, it puzzles me and, and it troubles me and it causes me concern, but I see this all the time. And what we have is a contradiction and that is the people who profess faith in God. Now remember, God is omnipotent. Can you say amen? amen. God is filled with grace and good intentions for our behalf. He's constantly caring for and concerned about our future and they profess they have faith in God and we know that God's promise says that he's willing to intervene for his, for his people. All the promises of God are yes and amen under the glory of God by Christ Jesus. And yet in spite of that, they too often ignore and are negligent of that fact in the processes of daily life. Look at verse 11. Beware lest you forget the Lord your God. What does that mean? What that means is, as I preach this morning, that you live your life uh, with self-will. You profess that you know God, uh, but God's not a priority uh, in your life. A little story told. You may have told it, but it's very fitting here again. Um, a man of God was talking to a young man, a teenager. And he's still in school, and he said to this teenager, um, what, to, what do you see for your future? He said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish school, get a diploma, and, uh, and so I'll be educated. And then he said, and then what? Well, I'm going to go to college and, uh, so that I can get a better job, and I'm going to finish that, uh, and, and then what? Well, then I'm going to uh, get a job, the best job I can get, and, uh, and uh, uh, be able to make a good living for my family. I intend to get married. And he said, and then what? Well, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to have a, 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 a children and uh, be a normal family and uh, earn a living for my family, buy a house for us to live in, uh, and then what? Well, I'm going to plan for my retirement, and when I get to my retirement, why, I'm going to be able to build up a, a reserve and have a good retirement, and, and then what? Well, I guess, I guess I'll die, and then what? That's the great question of the hour, isn't it? And then what? So God points at us here, and he says there are people who profess to have faith in God, but God is nothing more to them than a fire escape or a parachute. And what happens to them is that God is only good for emergencies. But as far as daily living, then he's not a priority. And Third John 2 says these tremendous words, 
Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So the paradox that I see is that there is no desperation in many people's lives. They come to a point of crisis in their life. When they come to a point of crisis, uh, then they uh, are crying out. I, I, I have people, I never see them in prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is believing God. Believing God. For what? For, for one thing that your heart might be right. I never see them in prayer. How many of you know that we are a praying fellowship? Never see them in prayer. But when they get into a desperate circumstance, they come and pastor, uh, pastor, uh, will, will you pray for me? Yes, I will. But you know, it would be good if you had a relationship with God yourself in prayer, you know. Daily discipline, as Brother Kidwell says uh, this morning, that he's won that battle. Prayer. So that when you have a problem, and you cry out to God, then God doesn't have to say, who are you? (laughs) I mean, is that too simple? Oh, yeah, well, God knows who I am. Well, I know that he does, but it's kind of a little illustration there, you know. And uh, God would have to say, uh, I don't think I've heard for you. uh, It's been a while since uh, I've heard for you of you. You know, many people have the idea that God's like a, a vending machine. They put their, put their dollar in and uh, press the button and the goodie comes out. And when it doesn't come out, you pound on it and say, what's the matter with this machine? <laughs> you see, the examination of the heart... Uh, is at all times and in all places, uh, in all circumstances, uh, and uh, God's challenge to you uh, is to be desperate every day of your life. God, you need to be God. That's what this this text is all about. God said, "I'm God," but when you come into the land, don't don't forget me. Don't forget who I am. Don't forget what I'm doing. Uh, and God challenges you and I to get desperate. Because he is God and the clock is ticking. Can you say amen? The clock is ticking. In the book of Judges, chapter 3, verse 1, here's the heart examination. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars of Canaan. You see, God has given to you and I exceedingly great uh, and precious promises that by these uh, we may be made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption uh, that is in the world uh, through lust. I I meet generally with men at breakfast, and I try to trigger them on on, uh, spiritual things instead of computers and iPhones and pads and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Isn't it interesting what grips the hearts of this generation? Leave five men alone in a room together, and within three minutes, they'll be talking about the latest gimmick of the computer. I've got gig of this and that, and you're going to bite that, and, that, and you're going to, and I made this one. 
and I try to trigger them on spiritual things. And I asked them a question. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before that come from Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek you the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's here. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> Finally, they came up with some dingbat answer. But, uh... <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, well, God's always have for me, you know. I just push the button. Oh, really? That means something. I'm not sure all of it means, but it means something. So as we examine this for a moment, uh, our hearts are very important in the eyes of God. And in Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart and with all of your soul. Now, I have no doubt here this evening that as the Holy Spirit has brought examination, electrocardiogram, that honest people, some honest people, have begun to get convicted about their lack before God of a self-examination. The good news that we have is that God's a miracle worker, He can reach down into human hearts uh, and he can change a heart in a moment of time. The Bible tells us about Saul. Saul is hunting livestock uh, for his father. He and a companion, he comes before Samuel. Samuel speaks words to him uh, and declares to him the destiny that God has ordained for him. uh, And the Bible says uh, that the moment he turns, to obey God, God gave him another heart. What an exciting thing. Can you say amen? Amen. What does that mean? That means that God changed the inner man and God gave him another heart. 1 Samuel 10 and verse 9. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment this evening as we conclude this session. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.